Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So, how has your week been? Uh, very busy. I actually had to uh, go to Tallahassee for a couple of days for work. Uh, did that late last week. And, yeah, just been doing the movie thing. Shout out to Rampage, who's in the chat. Rampage! Rampage. Uh, yeah, it's just been... It's been pretty busy between that, getting stuff ready for the movie, which now we're less than two weeks away from shooting, which is kind of scary, just yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. But no, as I, I'm I'm excited to do it. We we've got pretty much everything all set and in place. So I'm hoping to be completely done with prep by the weekends. So that way I can spend next week just the calm before the storm, if you will. Yeah, I plan on uh, contacting the old crew for Monsters Anonymous and see if they're interested in doing my uh, next short film, which is a science fiction short film, which might take a, a good bit of money, but I figured with our Cannes Shorts Festival win, it might help people to open their wallets and their hearts to help me bring my vision to life. So, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, pretty much the same. Been really busy. Haven't really had much time to game or anything. Honestly, can't remember what was the last game that I played, honestly, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. Yeah, for me, it's I, I did break down and get uh, Sonic Origins. Um, I was on the fence about it because there are games that, you know, I've played in the past and have been available pretty much anywhere else. But it's like, you know what? I've got a little bit of extra money. I want to play the old Sonic games on the Switch. So I broke down and got it. Yeah, that's so, a good deal. Yeah, so been been playing that in addition to uh, the game that I will be uh, reviewing this evening. Awesome. Uh, I, the last game I, I played was I've uh, been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PS4, which is excellent, by the way. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm hoping I can get it done before next week. Maybe if I can, I, I don't see it happening. But uh, if not, I'm going to review 
something on the Dreamcast again. Not sure what. Maybe uh, Code Veronica. But I'm aiming to do the Final Fantasy VII remake. But if I can't get it done before then, then it'll be Code Veronica. Could also do some Crazy Taxi. Yeah, that too. I did play a lot of Crazy Taxi. So there, I, I, I'm not hurting for anything to review. I'm just in the middle of playing so much stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, I, I've got to decide what I want to review next. There's a couple of things I want to. It's just like, wh- which one do I want to pick? Yeah. And if you guys have any ideas for uh, the top five list, since we're doing one a month now, if you have any ideas for a good top five list, send them to us at NerdCaveRetro on Twitter or on the Discord. Just let us uh, give us some ideas because uh, we like doing those top five lists. Yeah, no, they're fun. And uh, Speaking of top five lists, uh, Armez Jackson, our, our friend Armez Jackson, sent us his list. Uh, he had forgot to send it in before we did last week's show, so I want to shove that in here before we go into the news. And he says, uh, as soon as you guys posted this, I knew it was going to be tough. So many games, the graphics and the gameplay changed so much during this time. I was a pain uh, just narrow. It was a pain just narrowing, narrowing it down so it wasn't all arcade, even though that's where I was from 83 until 94. And his honorable mentions are Star Wars, the cockpit arcade, um, Yi R Kung Fu arcade, Tetris, Outrun, Outrun's a great one, and Double Dragon Arcade. And Double Dragon is a great arcade game. And I love the NES port of it, but it did not age well. Uh, the, the NES version of it just didn't didn't age well. Um, so yeah, but, that's unfortunate for a game of that, that yeah. standard. But you can get the arcade version now on Switch with the arcade mm-hmm. classics, and uh, that's a great game to play. And for his official top five... His number five is Final Fight Arcade. Number four, Galaga. Galaga was actually on my list at one point, but then it dropped off to to make room for other things. Um, Number three, Legend of Zelda. Number two, Discs of Tron. He said the the environmental cabinet. He'd sell a kidney for one of these. (laughs) I loved the Discs of Tron game back in the day. I just loved those Tron arcade machines. They're so cool looking. Yeah, we have a, a local, um, like, it's not so much a retro gaming bar, but it's called Play. They have a couple of arcade games, and they have an old Tron machine. And right. I go right to it anytime I go to that it just bar. just beckons you with that glowing blue flight stick, and it's like, play me. Play me now. All it needs is the soothing tones of Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And then for number one, Contra for the NES. Great pick. Right yep, there. Good choice. Says, Thank Very you, gentlemen. Choice. This trip down memory lane was a blast. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you in the chat room from time to time. Thank you very much, Mr. Mr. Armez Jackson there. And uh, if you want to be more like Armez Jackson, you can send us some news stories, which brings us to our next segment. You ready to go into the news for this evening? Yes, sir. Oop, here we go. Tonight's stories were submitted to us by Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Armez Jackson, and Mike Evelyn at Jester8082, and Mr. B-Rez Coffee himself. If you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first story comes from arstechnica.com. The Sega Genesis Mini 2 will be in much shorter supply than original. 
Uh, the mini console fad has abated since the NES Classic and SNES Classic peak with fewer companies giving the concept a shot. Sega remains an exception, however, as it's launching not one but two new retro-minded machines by the year's end. Uh, the Genesis 2 is coming out in the United States, and Sega confirmed to Ars Technica that the system in question will be incredibly in incredibly limited supply, around one-tenth the count of the 2019 Sega Genesis Mini. And I don't know how many they put out, for the original Genesis. I know it was quite a bit because those were not as hard to get as uh, the original Nintendo and Super Nintendos. But if they say one-tenth, that sounds like there's not going to be that many. I will give them this, though. They are at least forewarning us that there aren't going to be as many, unlike you know Nintendo did when we found out there was only, what, I, I don't even remember the exact amount, but it was shockingly low. And it also, it, it really puts the the emphasis on, if you want one, you're probably going to yeah. have to pre-order it. <laughs> and it says here, since Sega never announced total sales figures for the original Genesis Mini or other regions Mega Drive Mini sales, we can't accurately estimate how reduced this manufacturing count is. So we don't really know how small the run is going to be. So I would say if you want one, you best go pre-order one right now. Yep. I'm uh, I'm going to be doing that on Friday when, uh, when my next paycheck comes in. That kind of sucks, though. I wish they would just do a regular... I don't know why they don't just do a regular run of them. I, I mean, I know they did well enough, too. Yeah, it's a little mind-blowing because, like you said, it sold well, you could find one in stores pretty regularly yeah. when they first came out. You know, there there wasn't the hassle to find one like you did the NES or the Super Nintendo. So I don't know. I, I I'm sure they have their reasons what those are. I have no idea. You but think they're do, taking a page out of Nintendo's book and doing artificial scarcity, or are do you think they're just worried that uh, another mini console just won't do as good as the original? Maybe they're testing the waters, and maybe if it sells really well, they'll do another run. Because, like, like you said, the the mini console fade is or fad is kind of faded. Yeah, I don't think it, so, really though. ever since ever since that Genesis came out. Not by Sega. I think if Sega puts out anything at this point, people are going to eat it up. I think so too. I, I still think it's going to sell well, and then hopefully they'll see that the demand is there, and they'll advertise another run. Yeah, hope so. Who knows? Yeah, I hope so too, but I, I'm definitely going to pre-order one because I, I love the Genesis Mini and I think this one's going to be just as good. Our next story comes to us from one of our favorite sites, NintendoLife.com. At long last, we have a release date for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kawabunga Collection. Mm -hmm. Have you had enough Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles goodness this year? No. Uh, well, we've got a nice little treat for you. Konami's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kawabunga Collection, will launch on August 30th. In an exclusive reveal from IGN, we now know that Konami's Turtle games will be following just months after Dot .emu and Tribute Games' Fantastic Shredder's Revenge. Turtle fans will be eating plenty of good pizza this summer. In case you didn't know what's included in the bundle, I'll go through these real quick. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, the arcade version, uh, the original Ninja Turtles for NES, the NES port of the arcade game, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, TMNT 3, the Manhattan Project, 
Tournament Fighters, Turtles in Time, the Super Nintendo version, as well as uh, Tournament Fighters, the Hyperstone Heist and Tournament Fighters, which came out for Sega Genesis, Fall of the Foot Clan and Back from the Sewers for Game Boy, as well as Radical Rescue for the Game Boy as well. I mean, they they had me sold when they announced this thing. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't too worried about what they were going to include. But since we have so much in this collection, I think it is an absolute day one purchase. Oh, and yeah. I cannot wait to play it. I'm getting a physical copy of this. And I, I've heard of some of the, uh, the, the collector's editions that they're putting out are really cool, but I haven't seen any advertised anywhere. I, there was one that we saw a while back because me, you, and Wally talked about it. it. It was really expensive, but it looked really cool. Yeah. I can't remember what all was in it, though. I'm probably just going to get the standard version, but I, I will likely be getting this for the uh, PS4. Uh, same here. I, I, but I don't know. I, I want to be able to play it in mobile form, so I may get it on the Switch. True. Yeah, I. this is something that I think me, you, and the listeners of the show should all get together and play. Oh, definitely. Like, like it's it's an absolute must. Like, there have, are so many great options. We could have another game night and do tournament fighters. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. I can get destroyed by everybody, because I'm not good <laughs> at those kind of games, but they're yeah. still fun. It's still fun. Uh, Rampage yeah. says, don't you dare get it for Switch. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to get the, uh, I need to get a clip of Cartman going, I do what I want. I do what I want. Uh, and this next story from PSU.com, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake is reportedly delayed indefinitely. A new boo. report from website, yeah, boo. A new report from website Bloomberg po- points to trouble at Aspire, the studio behind the highly anticipated KOTOR remake. According to the report, Bloomberg has learned that studio heads have told employees the project is on pause, during which time Aspire will look for other contracts and development opportunities, essentially meaning the game is is delayed indefinitely for now. I I don't understand why they're putting a hold on it, right? Like, why doesn't Disney step in, throw some money at them, and go get this thing done? I don't want to say it's dead. It's dead. But when, but, but whenever <laughs> something is delayed indefinitely, more often than not, that means it's dead. Yeah. I, I don't look for Which is a shame because I was really looking forward to this. Like I, I had too. fun going back and playing the original version, you know, when we talked about it on the show a while back. I was really looking forward to this remaster. Yeah. And as usual, we can't have nice things. <laughs> never can never have nice things. I hope I'm wrong, and maybe in the next several months we'll hear that it's back on track, but I'm pretty pessimistic about this, personally. Yeah, same here. I, I think it's pretty much dead in the water. Yeah. Our last news story comes to us from comicbook.com. Nintendo Insider teases return of fan-favorite SNES series. According to a prominent Nintendo Insider, a fan-favorite series that began its life on the Super Nintendo F-Zero is returning with a brand new installment on the Nintendo Switch, Switch Lite, and Switch OLED. The tease comes this way of Skylux Hunter, a Nintendo insider who has proven reliable in the past. Most recently, they leaked the Bayonetta 3 release date ahead of time. 
And then they tease Nintendo fans with a sequence of ones and zeros. Uh, when you translate the numbers into letters into the alphabet, it translates to you got boost power, hmm. which is a term from F-Zero. And we've talked about this, you know, off and on when we've discussed franchises that should be coming back. You know, yeah. F-Zero has been brought up. So I, I hope this is true because there, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't had a new F-Zero game since the GameCube, right? Um, Wasn't there one for the Wii U? Or am I mistaken? Because I Let thought see. we had looked it up and we found um, what was the last F F zero list of F zero. Oh, let's see F zero climax. The last ga- uh, series last game uh-huh. came out sixteen years ago. That was for uh-huh. Game Boy Advance. That was in twenty twenty, so it was eighteen years ago. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. I, I don't know why Nintendo has let F-Zero languish because it's such a cool series. And I understand that they don't, they have their racer with Mario Kart, but it's such a different tone and a different gameplay than Mario Kart. Like Mario Kart is more of a party game where, you know, you've got your little power-ups, you know, the... You, you're playing with your friends and, you know, you hit them with a blue shell before they cross the finish line, that type of stuff. But with F-Zero, it, it's uh, it's a speed, uh, you know, anti-grav, like, single-player experience. And that's really what I want. I want to play against... You know, it would be fun to play F-Zero as, a, like, a multiplayer online game, which I think would be great. But I also want that single-player experience with it. And you don't have to have, like, weapons and stuff in the game. You just, you know, it's just a racing game. But give me options, like, to, you know, to customize my my uh, my vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Like, it could be, you know, a future, you know, your futuristic, like, need for speed type of game where you give me those RPG elements where, you know, like, give me ways to to boost the 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 vehicle and all that kind of stuff. It, I mean, I'm in. If they come out with another F0 game, I'm in. Yeah, same with me. I actually really enjoyed the GameCube game uh, F0 GX when it came out. I I didn't play the original as much. My big introduction to Captain Falcon was Super Smash Brothers, but played the GameCube game because of that. Actually really enjoyed it. I agree with you. I think when it comes to a game like Mario Kart, that's more of like a casual gamer's game. Yeah. With F-Zero, I feel like it's a little more geared towards the fans of that specific genre. I do think they should add a multiplayer Mm -hmm. to have it in case you want it, but I'd like to see a really good story mode with, with a racing game because you don't really get that. At all. Because you have your, you know, Nintendo makes adult-oriented games. I mean, like, look at the last Metroid game. That's not a kid's game. That is that is a full-on, like, scary game for adults. Like, just make an F-Zero game that's aimed towards your older audience, and you'll have a hit on your hands because people love F-Zero. I mean, I still love F-Zero to this day. That was one of the very first games I got for the Super Nintendo when I got it that Christmas was... I got F-Zero with it, and I've been playing that game. That game is still great, and it still holds up. Just give me a new 
modern day version of that. It's among the numerous franchises that I hope we see make a comeback within the next couple of years. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll we'll get an announcement sooner rather than later. I hope so. Um, so do you think we have time for uh, this month of video game history? Do you want to save it? Yeah. Yeah, we got time. All right, let's do it. Here we go right here. In August of 1981, Konami releases Frogger for arcades in Japan. That reminds me of that Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I Frogger is such a fun game. It has such a simple concept. But when I think of the Game Boy and going to trips to and from Tallahassee during the summer, one of the few games I would play for the Game Boy, I had Tetris, I had the Super Mario Land games, and I had Frogger. And, and I'd no- spend quite a bit of time on Frogger. Another one of those arcade ports that was actually really decent for the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I never played the arcade version, but any console version I've played, I've personally enjoyed, so yeah. I, I enjoy Frogger. In August of 1985, Atari Games releases Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as the first System 1 game to feature dig- digitized speech from the 1984 movie. Gameplay involves Indy freeing children from cages, whipping guards and bats, an exciting minecart chase, a temple scene, and a drawbridge scene. That was a pretty good arcade game. I don't know why they never ported that to any home systems. You would think they would with as popular as those movies were. Yeah, I mean, you did, we did get Indiana Jones games you know, for the Nintendo and the Atari as well, but they mm-hmm. weren't this arcade game, which was really good. It'd be fun to play an Indiana Jones game in the style of like an Uncharted. Oh, dude. (laughs) Did you ever play Indiana Jones? And I think it was called the Emperor's Tomb. uh, No, I never did. It was for the original Xbox, and it was the same game engine as the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer games. Um, That behind... yeah, I mean, it was a lot like, you know, Assassin's Creed, like that type of gameplay. Those games, that game was great. I wish they would make more Indiana Jones games like that. That would be awesome. Make it like Uncharted, and it will sell. Yep. In August of 1988, Sega releases Altered Beast for arcades, later ported to the Mega Drive Genesis, where it was packaged with the console in North America and Europe. Rise from your grave. Rise from your grave. Yep, I reviewed this game a while back on the show. Pretty good game. I I wish I had played it for the arcade because I feel like that would have been a better experience. I mean, the the console portion was just okay. Yeah, it's just okay. It's not a system seller. Like, they they weren't... Sega wasn't in good shape until Sonic came along. Yeah, that that was one. It was like a, what I call a volume title, where it's just like yeah. this is an option that you can buy. <laughs> we need to put something in with it. What do we got? Uh, yeah. Altered Beast. Yeah, let's just put that in there. All right, do it. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see. You, yeah. uh, I'm up next. Yep. Uh, August 25th of 1994, SNK releases the King of Fighters 94. For arcades, we've never really discussed the King of Fighters games. No, it's, it's not should. not to my recollection. We probably should review one of these one of these days because I know 
uh, Brandon Rutledge, our our good friend and listener and patron, uh, he wants us to do more fighting games. So I did the last one, so you can do a King of Fighters and see what you think about it. Yeah, I'll see where I can uh, where I can find it. It says here, uh, uh, there is a remake that was released in two thousand four. Four. Uh, it's part. Uh, it doesn't say. Uh, 2008, it was one of 16 games included in SNK Arcade Classics for the PS2, PlayStation Portable, and the Wii. So maybe I could find a copy of that somewhere. I bet you there's an Arcade Archives version of it. You can look up. Maybe. It. Yeah. I have and to look that up. August 2nd, 1995, Comic Zone is released for the Sega Genesis. It's a beat-em-up game with heavily inspired by comic books. And I reviewed this one off of the original Sega Genesis Mini, and man, this game is awesome except for the fact that you only have one life and that's it you got to get through the whole game in one life yeah that's a bummer i i've i remember you talking about this game and it, it makes me excited to play it i i will be playing this game uh pretty soon I, it's one of the few games on the genesis mini that i have not even attempted so i look forward to it it is severely unforgiving just like i like it <laughs> And last but not least, August 1st of 1998, Midway Games releases Gex Enter the Gecko for the N64. And that's all I'm going to say about that game because you're going to hear more about it in just a little bit. All right. Well, before we get to that, we have patron shout outs. Would you like to do the honors? Of course. As always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, aka Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Brandon Rutledge, and Mr. Joey Image. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the show, keeping the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our awesome commentary tracks like our TGI Friday block that we did uh, for last month, which was that a lot was of fun. fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That brought back some good memories. But we've done you know, movies such as Clue, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We've done animated series like X-Men, Batman. If you want to go back even farther, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mm-hmm. We, we've got still so many you know, great options. And I, I was thinking about this, and I, I'll I'll pitch this on the air. I think we should do an episode of Cobra Kai. I'm down with that. I'm totally okay with that. I, I'm getting kind of back into that mindset because the new season comes out yes. next month. We should do that. So, Let's do that for the for this month. We'll do an episode of uh, Cobra first episode or two of Cobra Kai. I love that. We can even even do the first episode and then do something else if we want. But I, okay I'll, I'll that. throw that out as an option. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, either Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whichever you prefer, so we can give you a proper shout out. We want to tell you all about our friends over at videogamesmonthly.com. If you're looking for a way to beef up your video game collection, then they have you covered. Just head over there, pick the box you want, and tell them what systems you want games for, and boom! It's like Christmas every single month. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for a loved one, 
or just treating yourself every single month. And I mean, hey, you deserve it. Just head over to videogamesmonthly.com and enter NCR in the Where Did You Hear About Us line at checkout, and you will get a free game in your first month's box. That's right, an extra game, absolutely free. So head over to videogamesmonthly.com. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee. doesn't matter what type of coffee you like. They got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate-flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. Fantastic. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... Oh, we're going to get into that, my friend. <laughs> we're definitely going to get into some 90s. It, that song just makes me want to just kind of sit back in a nice, you know, recliner on the couch with, you know, a nice drink in my hand and just yeah. <laughs> just just chill. Just chill. But yeah, so I will be reviewing Gex Enter the Gecko which I just mentioned a few minutes ago. It is a 1998 platform game and the second installment of the Gex video game series, which was surprising to me because I can vaguely remember this game. I knew of it, but really nothing beyond that. I read about it a little bit in the magazines, saw it on the shelves, but I, I don't know. I, I think because my mind was on you know other franchises and other games that I was playing that it's just one that, I never picked up. I remember it being I, advertised pretty heavily, but I never played it. Yeah, it's it's a product of its time. <laughs> and that that's the big lesson that I learned from from playing this game and I I do want to give a quick shout out so the same anonymous donor that requested you review Final Fantasy 7 requested that I review this. So that's why we are here. So uh, you know who you are, so mm-hmm. shout out to you for that. Um, yeah, it was released for the PlayStation, Nintendo 64, Microsoft Windows, and the Game Boy Color. So I knew really nothing about this game. I intentionally didn't read any synopsis, any walkthroughs, or anything. I wanted to put this game in. I played the PlayStation version, by the way. I considered the N64, but I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have to use that controller. <laughs> and and the, the PlayStation controller isn't my favorite either, but I'll take that over the N64 controller any day of the week. Yeah. So it was really a no-brainer. Found a copy here at you know one of our local uh, retro gaming stores that we have here in town. And I've been you know, playing it off and on over the past several weeks. But anyway, I, I knew nothing about the storyline. I assumed it was going to be a comedy because you look at the the cover and it's a lizard dressed like James Bond. 
So I'm like, okay, this this has to have some type of humor in it. And boy, I was in for a pretty wild ride when it comes to humor. So what I like about this game, I like the humor, and I also don't like the humor. Well, so it says get, that uh, the the it was inspired by uh, the Simpsons, on which scriptwriter Rob Cohen had previously worked as a writer. So you got the a, a writer on of this game that was a writer for the Simpsons at the time. And also the voice of Gex, Dana Gould, was a writer for The Simpsons as well. Oh, yeah. I know that name. Yep. Started as a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. wrote for The Simpsons, and then he he voiced Gex. So Gex is a wisecracking lizard who beats his, his arch rival. Um, uh, shoot, what was his name? Why did no, everything I had it, oh, in Rez, the 90s have Rez. to be wise-cracking? Every character's wise-cracking. <laughs> wise-cracking TV-binging gecko is what the Wikipedia page says. So Rez is his rival that he defeated in the first game. And the game begins with, you know, it's a couple of years later, he's just you know sitting at home watching TV, and these two government agents bust in and say that Rez is you know, causing trouble again. So he, they try to recruit Gez, uh, Gex to fight him. But he's like, you know what? I've done that before. I'm good. So what does any government agent do? They offer him a suitcase full of cash and a fancy suit. And he's like, you know what? I'm in. Well, it's, and I'm like, I'm like, how is this game going to go? Because I'm asking a lot of questions at this point. So the the hub world of this game is the media dimension. And your objective is you go into these different worlds and you go in the worlds by going through these uh, giant television screens. It gave me a little bit of a Banjo-Kazooie vibe in the beginning because in that game you have to go through, um, you know, like, so like Mumbo's Mountain, you go into a, walk through a giant mountain, you walk through like a representation of the world in order to physically enter it. Mm Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit of a vibe from Banjo-Kazooie there. The first world you go into is inspired by like classic cartoons. And as soon as you enter the world, I'm like, this reminds me a lot of Looney Tunes. And then Gex turns around, looks directly at the camera and says some kind of random one liner. (laughs) And I'm like, God, this is so nineties. So you go through it. The level designs are actually pretty cool I, I wish there was a little bit more but i also think it was part of the product of the time of it you know like there weren't too many huge world building games at that time in the platforming genre so i would have liked a little bit more with that but i'm like you know what this was in the late 90s is in that phase where we're still trying to kind of figure out that transition between 2d and 3d because the level designs look cool the characters, on the other hand, they they look a little rough. They could have used a little more polygons. So is it? Is it? I've never played it. I've never seen any video from it. But from the screenshots I'm looking at, is it sort of like a, a Mario sixty four style kind of mm-hmm. open world three D yep. environment? No, that's no. And Super Mario sixty four was actually an influence in this game being created. 
So anyway, I mentioned the Looney Tunes thought. So there's a portion in the the Toon world where you have to go down this hole in the ground and there's a sign next to it. And I kid you not, Jason, it says Wabbit season open. <laughs> and I'm like, are we really going there? So I, you dive in the hole and when Gex materializes, he's wearing a rabbit costume. He looks like Bugs Bunny. Somebody going to get sued up in here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you see this and you see these hunters that have uh like very round bald heads and wearing a distinguished looking <laughs> hunting cap. And they're just walking around with rifles, like bobbing back and forth. And I'm just like, how did they not get sued for this? I mean, I guess they could claim parody. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that too. And then when you go back later on, cause whenever you enter the, the different worlds, you can choose your different missions. Like, you know, in Mario 64, how you choose the different stars yeah, and they each have the different objective. It's exactly like that. Your objective is you have to find these red remote controls. And the more you find, the more you're able to progress and go back to the media dimension and go to different, you know, different worlds that are all inspired by different genres. There's a horror one. There's a science fiction one. Which in that one, Gex's costume looks dangerously close to a stormtrooper. <laughs> that that one's pretty cool. It, it's like a, a it get, has a Star Wars slash Tron kind of vibe, which is actually really cool. And I, I I give them credit because I think the the parodies and some of the one liners are really clever. It does severely date the game, though. Like, yeah. this is a game that I, I don't think you could remake it because it's well, truly a product of its time. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think if they were to do, like, a you know a remaster of the game, do you think it would do well? Or is it just strictly a game entrenched in the 90s and that's where it needs to stay? It's a game entrenched in the 90s, and that's where it needs to stay. <laughs> I, I think the only way that you can make it work is if you gave it almost like a, a modern-day twist, maybe, whereas like Gex is older, and he mentors like a younger lizard who, I don't know, parodies a lot of memes and gifts that you see online, but I don't think that would honestly sell really well. I, so I just I, don't think there's a, a whole lot of nostalgia for Gex. No, but you know what? Had I played this game when it was originally released, I would have loved it. Because I like that type that type of humor. Because you remember in the 90s how like referencing pop culture and yeah. almost kind of breaking the fourth wall was was a thing. Well, they, all thanks to Kevin Smith, who was just like, it's okay to like pop culture. And then every, from then on, it was like pop culture, referencing pop culture everywhere. Yeah, and the they blatantly take quotes you know, from certain movies. So like in the, for example, in the, the horror world, as you're walking through the stage and you know, completing your objectives, Gex will say these different one-liners. And... There's so many that I keep thinking, how did they get away with this? Well, you might have but been they're... able to get away with a lot more back then, too, because it was a lot different then. Like, you look at Roger Rabbit. You know, that movie, I mean, you could make an argument that Rescue Rangers is the modern-day Roger Rabbit, but how many millions of dollars did Disney have to spend to get all the characters in that movie? Like, back then, you could just kind of get away with 
this type of stuff without being sued into out of existence because you could at least claim parody. That's another reason why I think this game would not be made today because just the rights for all this stuff would just cost way too much money. And especially with all the Looney Tunes stuff now that, that all that's under the HBO Max banner. Like if you did something like that now, HBO Max would sue you out of existence. Yeah, you would be gone like like that. <laughs> so I'm walking through the horror world and all of a sudden Gex starts going red rum red rum and i'm like that's funny but you should still totally get sued for that yeah uh but there there's some other cool uh parodies too so there's like um like an eastern culture slash karate world where gex wears a karate gi there's like a so one of the bonus levels is almost like an aztec or uh like a a temple style objective mm-hmm. and you wear an indiana jones costume my favorite is when you fight a mechanized version of um, of Rex, and he looks not all that different because he's primarily a robot anyway. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is that Gex grows really tall, so it's almost like you're parroting a Godzilla fight. <laughs> so, in that aspect, like I I loved. The, the parodies, I thought they were really clever. It brought me back to a, a much simpler time. However, there were some jokes that were made that, you know, we're, we're a much more um, progressive culture now. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. th- this, there's <laughs> the, the first reference that I heard, um, the heard Gex say was something like it smells or looks like the inside of Boy George's pants. And I'm what? like, oof. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm like, you couldn't say that today. No. Like you get like that game would get canceled in a heartbeat. And there there's other like, you know, stereotypical stuff that happens throughout the game that I'm just like, yeah. Grant, it was a different time. It doesn't excuse it, but it's like you're so much more sensitive to stuff like that that it it, it makes much more of an impact when you see it, yeah. you know, and it, so uh, that kind of took me out of it, uh, you know, for, for a bit, but as far as the gameplay itself, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, Gex has got, you know, some pretty basic attacks. Like uh, you flick your tongue to, um, to eat bugs, uh, to um, like replenish your health and get extra lives and whatnot. Um, you've got a tail whip, um, and also a flying karate kick. You can climb certain walls. And then um, what else is that? There, oh, there are some um, outfits you have that are like objective based. So, for example, there's um, there's a level where you have to dive underwater and you have to find different collectibles to replenish the oxygen. Mm. Also, the same thing for um, for a space world that you have to go to. So uh, for the most part, you just kind of go in each world. You try and find these red remotes. You can find some silver ones after you know, collecting a certain number of items. E- each, each game or each world has its own like unique collectible. And once you get those, you get the, you know, silver remotes and it, it basically just, you know, gets you one step closer to a hundred percent. What's really the, cool is, do you get to start, 
on any level you want, or do you ha- do you have to go in in a certain level and get you know the remote, and that opens up the next world? You have to start in the tune world, and then from there, once you get more, you have more options to go like to the horror world or then to the sci-fi world and whatnot. So, and I love some there, of there's... the names of these levels, like Lava Dabba Doo, Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Manicure, Mazed and Confused, and my favorite. I got the reruns and Trouble in Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Again, something that was right out of the 90s. But <laughs> overall, and I, I've I've come very close to beating this game. It does get significantly harder uh, as you get towards the end. I, I've made it to the final boss. I have not been able to beat him yet. So I've, for the most part, completed the game i will say that it's it's not a great game it's a good game like it plays fairly well um i like the level designs i think they were a little bit you know ahead of their time as far as being in the late 90s there are some games that are better that are similar that were made around that time but Mm. it's still it's still pretty good however I think it's when we talk about games that are ultimately a product of their time, this is a prime example of that. Like when I when I say I can't stress this enough, if you want a 90s nostalgia trip, you should definitely check this out. Play this and then Pepsi Man. (laughs) Hey, that's a great Friday night at the Diamond Household. Uh, but yeah, I, I particularly enjoyed playing it, you know, minus the, the couple of jokes that I thought were like, uh, they wouldn't have gotten away with those today. Yeah. But other than that, like, I, I can actually say I enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's something I'm going to uh, go out. I don't my think you would play. I don't think you would enjoy it. Personally, I got, I think you'd get into it for a few minutes and then be like, eh, I'm good. I personally just other than um, Mario 64, I really don't like platformers in this era from, you know, from 96 to 2000. Like that, that four year span of platformers just doesn't do it for me. Plus, the controls weren't there. The, 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 the camera movements weren't there. And they're just so hard to control and it just ugh, I don't like it and that's something too that I did not like about this game and that's again a product of that era it's like all the platformers couldn't figure out the camera yeah Mario 64 was the only one that did it and all these other games tried to mimic Mario 64 gameplay wise but for some reason they didn't adopt the camera method yeah I mean then, then once you got to you know 98 99 you had you had you had the dual analog sticks with the original PlayStation, which came out. You know, you had the dual analog sticks, and it's like it's intuitive to make the right stick the camera. Move with the left stick; the right stick controls the camera. I don't know why it took two to three years to figure that out. Like, there's so many games that are just ruined because of that little aspect. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't really until. 2001 2002 where the 3d platformers really started to to figure it out but it didn't totally take away from the experience but that that was one thing that 
you know, I was kind of expecting going in because when I saw, you know, the like the copyright that you see at the beginning of the game, and I was like, eh, this game is probably going to have its flaws when it comes to that. But it, it didn't totally break the game for me. It was frustrating, though. Yeah, that's what breaks a lot of these games for me is just because you're so used to now the the controls we have in a 3D environment, and then you go back to this, and it's it's just so primitive. Yeah, it uh, it can be rough to go back and and play some of these games, but I did want to tell you some of the other uh, level titles since you'll get a kick out of these. So for Tune TV, you had Out of Tune and Fine Tuning. Mm-hmm. For the the Scream TV, you had Smell Razor, <laughs> Frankensteinfeld, <laughs> and Poltergex. <laughs> I think I might be uh, Frank, level- Frankensteinfeld for for Halloween. That sounds like a good mashup costume. <laughs> What's the deal with the electricity? <laughs> What's the deal with the bolts coming out of my neck? Um, so for uh, one other thing I forgot to mention, the Nintendo 64 version wasn't like they didn't have as many levels as the other versions did because of hardware limitations, but it did have one exclusive level that was a knockoff of the Titanic that was called uh, Gex Cousteau, which uh, <laughs> there's a picture of him you know, doing the the pose where he's on the front of the boat mm. and he's got his arms spread oh, out. Of course. <laughs> yeah, because why wouldn't it be? Uh, there's Circuit Central, which is a circuit-based, a futuristic theme channel. Kung Fu Theater, which I mentioned is patterned after Kung Fu movies. There's Rocket Channel, which is a space-slash-sci-fi theme. Uh, those levels are called the Umpire Strikes Out and Paint and Pain in the Asteroids. <laughs> I've had that before. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, to go back and mention the the Kung Fu ones, there's uh, Mao Zedong and Samurai Night Fever, which in that one you also wear a, a disco costume. I like it. People could probably guess. Uh, there's the Prehistory Channel which is a prehistoric slash dinosaur theme channel in which uh, Gex blatantly says, welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> uh, there's uh, uh, Pangea 90210 and this old cave. And then the final boss fight in Rezopolis is called No Weddings and a Funeral. Nice. So... Uh, I I dig that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the era I grew up in. I remember that style of humor, you know, when you know everything had to be parody. Like you mentioned, Kevin Smith made it okay to talk about pop culture and things that were going on in the real world. And then the the floodgates opened, and we had games like this. We had shows and whatnot that you know patterned itself after that. Yeah. But if you're somebody that's probably younger than me. You won't like it. You won't get the humor, and you'll just be like, "Ah, oh, this is stupid." Yeah, and you'll turn it off. I don't if know if you... that even even that type of humor would even really work today. Like, if you were to put this game out with new references in it, I just don't know if that just just I don't know if that flies today. Yeah, the, this was kind of a weird mix between Looney Tunes, Roger Rabbit, Banjo Kazooie. And uh, Conquers Bad Fur Day. Mm -hmm. Because it does have some borderline adult humor, like not to the extreme of Bad Fur Day, but it 
it pushes the envelope. And this game was rated E. Yeah. But Gex uses profanity on occasion. <laughs> like, like he also says, get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> and this was rated E. Like, you marketed it to kids. Yeah. But again, it, a product of a different time. Just because I think, you know, pop culture is, is so splintered these days into little tiny pockets of stuff, you know, with influencers and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know if there's the big overarching like pop culture stuff that you could pull from that everybody would get. Like everybody got these jokes back then, but now I don't know you make one joke and like 75% of the audience like doesn't even know what you're talking about. You know, it's just such a weird uh, culture these days. It's a very different time. I mean, I feel like culture is different than it was, you know, five years ago. Yeah. Much less 30-something. So, yeah, I, again, I just don't think this game would really work today. Uh, let's see, let me go back to my page here. I got too many tabs open. Uh, as far as the reception, Gex Enter the Gecko uh, received mostly positive reviews. Aggregate review website Game Rankings gave the PlayStation version an 82%. The N64 version received mostly mixed reviews. Uh, Game Rankings gave that a 61%. The PC version, though, USA Today gave it 4 out of 5 stars and said it was a must-own for platform fans. <laughs> A game.exe reviewer gave the game a 70% score and said that it lacked attention to detail and care. And a Game World Navigator reviewer praised the graphics, noting the backgrounds are detailed, but noticed that the monsters have few polygons. I 100% agree with that. Uh, let's see. Game World Navigator gave it a 6.6 .6 out of 10. Uh, let's see. Next Generation gave it 3 out of 5 stars. So overall, as I said... I like the game. I appreciate the humor because it's from my time. Gameplay wise, it's not perfect, but I also don't think it's terrible. Like it's a game that, you know, I'd pick up every now and then and play and wouldn't really have a problem with it. Yeah. I, I would say I'd give it probably a six and a, well, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a, an average like seven's about an average yeah. to me. Cause I'm, I'm usually pretty generous with the score. So I, I'd give it a solid seven. I mean, it, it, sounds, it's like, some... it sounds like something that you'd have fun going back and playing, but I, I don't th see this as something you would play like all the time. No, it'd be fun to pop in and be like, Oh, remember, you know, those references or something yeah. like that. But it's not something that I'd, you know, come home from work every day to, to play, but I I did enjoy a, the the fun trip down memory lane, and as I said, reminded me of a a much simpler time. So, awesome. those are my thoughts on Gex Enter the Gecko. Well, coming up next week, like I said, if I can get done with Final Fantasy VII remake, I will review it next week. But I, I that's that's going to be pushing it. But if not, then I'm going to review uh, something for the Dreamcast. And uh, thank you to our good friend Joey Image. For, give, for sending me the Dreamcast and uh, go follow him, Joey Image TV, uh, pretty much everywhere. And go check out his YouTube channel if you're into the Dreamcast. He, uh, he did an unboxing of a Dreamcast he got last year where a friend of his sent him one that was still unopened. 
uh, fresh off the factory floor, and he did an unboxing video for it. So go check him out over there at Joey Image TV on YouTube. Absolutely. He's a great follow. But uh, anything going on uh, with feature presentation before we leave tonight? Yeah, it'll be back next week at its normal time, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. You can follow the show on social media at Feature Press Pod. I'll be chatting with uh, Zach Hamilton, who is one of the visual effects designers on Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Strange New World. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun chat. Awesome. And uh, go check us out at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Last week we talked with uh, comedian Eddie Kane. And then coming up this next month, we have a bunch of famous comedians coming on the show Starting tonight, we have An- we have Andrew Siobhan coming on the show, and uh, go check it out whenever this one's going to drop on Wednesday. But just go check out the show, Open Micers, pretty much everywhere. Fine podcasts are given away for free, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Anything else before we slide out the door? Real quick, if you want to follow the development on my short film, uh, it's at the Feature Movie on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, don't don't forget to send us your voicemails at anchor.fm slash nerdcaveretro, and I will play them at the end of the show. And with that being said, let's get out of here. You can send us an email at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Go to nerdcaveretro.com. We'll take you to our link tree. We'll take you everywhere you need to go. The Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, the web uh, the, uh, the, our merch page. But if you just want to go to the merch page, go to ncrmerch.com. Go get yourself a, a Planet Juice t-shirt or a mug or anything. Anything you need over there, ncrmerch.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And of course, patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro where as little as a dollar a month keeps the lights on here at the show. And of course, you can't do that. I understand times are tough. Leave us a review, please, wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.